Hello and uh, welcome to the first ever edition of Lawrence Hill's Learning and Teaching podcast. Today I'm alongside Stuart Hillis, Joe Liddell and Julie Connolly and we'll be discussing learning intentions and success criteria. So I'd like to start with the first question being, how do we all lo- use learning intentions in our own context for learning? Uh, I'll, I'll kick us off. I, I, I've, I've been playing around with learning intentions based on using shared language, um, using our sometimes, always and rarely uh, language around kind of how we'll, how we'll do that. I find I don't prescribe success criteria, um, although I would say my, my learning intentions are context specific um, for my activity. And I'm, I'm trying to get them to be more broad and then for the, the kind of pupils to tease out the success criteria from that. I've actually sort of changed the practice of how I use learning intentions over the past year and most recently from our tapestry programme. I tend to keep my learning intentions quite vague but still covering a topic and it's over a series of lessons. I don't tend to give them sort of success criteria with it. That tends to come at the end of the lesson once they've developed their learning and they're able to tell me what they've learned from that lesson and then I know how to take that forward. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I would say my learning intentions and social subjects tend to be very big and broad, particularly for um, the broad general phase. Um, I think I used to get bogged down in completing one learning intention per lesson, whereas now you know, I've got this idea in my head that, you know, a learning intention can take, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of lessons, and I find it's a much more natural way to progress with the learning. Um, in terms of my success criteria, I do try and change it every lesson, just so that, they, you know, that they are challenged to sort of progress um, as they go on. The way I would do a learning intention that matches the success criteria for the BGE is to have a sort of um, progression. So I like your idea of the shared language. I would use the language of Bloom's. And I would have the easy remembering success criteria at the bottom and then building it up to the sort of higher order thinking skills. The pupils know that the success criteria at the bottom of the slide is the easiest one and it means that it's naturally differentiated as we go along. Um, and I find myself by using that shared language, it's actually a lot easier to put in the success criteria. I'm not worrying about it in advance. Sometimes I'll plan it ahead and sometimes I'll do it as we go along. Um, and I've definitely found that to be more effective. So in terms of, of our context in PE, we tend to have our learning intentions in lesson by lesson. You both said that you've got learning intentions over a period of time. Now, would you display that learning intention every lesson and refer back to it throughout the lessons? And how do, we, how, do we, how do you do that? What I tend to do is at the start of a topic, it's, in, it's on the board for them to refer to and it's in their jotter. But as the lessons go on, for example, something that we are doing just now in Enterprise with BGE, we are looking at RBS Money Sense, and in a sense it is budgeting, and that's what they are learning. They are learning about budgeting, but they're doing it in many different aspects. So that is the key learning intention that we are focusing on just now. So we just verbally discuss that at the start. We come in, what are we doing today? We're still looking, we're still learning about budgeting, and they're able to tell me that. But how they're learning about it comes from their success criteria and what they're able to do. So it starts off, it's written down, they can keep referring to it, but as we get through the weeks, they just verbally tell me or we, um, I tell them. It's almost shared between us then that the, the kind of benefits of the pupils deciding and buying into their success criteria is more important than us going. And that's what you do. 
It's so they kind of know what journey they're on with us when they're coming in. They know what to expect lesson to lesson. And if something has finished and we're doing something new, they're aware of that because I've told them prior to that we're starting a new topic. Next time they come in, they know there's going to be a new learning intention when they come in. Yeah, we do the same, um, particularly for BGE and social subjects. We tend to have broad learning intentions for every few lessons, but again, that's to help us out. So if we're not teaching a subject that's not your own natural one, it's quite a lot easier, and it means that if it's a broad learning intention, you know, the individual teacher can differentiate according to the needs of the class. Um, but I think what we're looking to do in the future is to try and phase out some of the content from our learning intentions and have it more skill-based, um, and again, so that they can recognise those skills a little bit more, um, and hopefully that will be the way that we'll take that forward in the future. I like the idea of that. What happens if you have people, say if you have, we talk about pupils moving from kind of level two, three, four, and I'll have a pupil who's maybe in one section of the broad general education is a level four in terms of their physical fitness and their physical competencies, so I avoid doing a block on physical competencies or physical fitness. And I'll say, like, for example, if I've got one pupil who's got level four physical fitness, level four physical competencies, level four in terms of their movement, but their personal qualities are a level two. It's not necessarily the, the block is focused on, right, we're all working on our movement or we're all working on our decision-making. I'm going to target that because that's your individual need. Whereas before I've gone, I want us all to look at CRE for a block. I want us all to look at decision-making. I've now gone away from that and gone, I'm going to look at you more individually, which means I've kind of got different learning intentions happening across the block. I was just going to ask you, so do you then have that, so across the block or across your class? Sorry. So ac across the class, we'll be looking at effectively different things. Okay. So one pupil in my class could be looking at improving their respect and tolerance for other people and winning in a respectful manner, and one pupil could be looking at this a skill-based thing, which makes it difficult to have one statement for a block. Now, I'm not sure if that kind of applies itself across subjects, but... It makes what you put up for them a bit more different. So then on a lesson-by-lesson basis, what, how do you display your learning intentions then? I tend to have a couple up based on the pupils that I know. So I'll have maybe a personal qualities up one, depending on when I get to another class, and then I'll have a physical skill or have a physical competencies one up. And then I'll have, right, where are you? Do you sometimes do this? Do you always do this? Do you rarely do this? If, if I'm speaking to a people who always does that, I then maybe introduce a level four statement. So that's special for them to keep referring to during the lesson? Absolutely. And do they get to select or would you sort of direct them yeah, to I, one? I think the, the importance of having learning conversations as we go through yeah. the lesson, that, I mean, that's what your learning conversations are based on, so that pupils know. I, I bring them up to the board and I go, right, where are you? Tell me what you're good at, tell me what you're not so good at, tell me what you need to improve. And they, they're almost coming up with their own learning intention as well as, like, how are you going to then do that? Mm, so they're self-reflecting mm -hmm. during yeah. lesson to lesson. And I think that gives them ownership over, well, this is how I can improve. Like you said something similar when you spoke about the blooms and you had your 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 different learning intentions. How do children select that? Do you have a discussion with them or do they select, I would like to try and reach that? So initially what I would do is I'd give them their sort of learning intentions and then I would probably make up the success criteria, but you know I would explain to them about the key terminology. I've got a display board in my room so they can quite clearly see what sort of level they're at. Um, but the idea of doing that is so that in the future... You know, they then, if I give them the learning intention and if it is focused on a particular aspect of the topic, then they can look up at the board for a starter activity. The words are there for them to access. And naturally, different pupils will be drawn to different levels of the triangle. So then I would have a discussion with the class, draw out some of the key themes, write them up on the board. And then again, that's that natural aspect where pupils can access different parts of the work. Um, I do find, though, that the, the aim for the creating 
um, top of the triangle quite quickly and sometimes I have to say, you know, we've got to have a sort of broad representation, <laughs> which is great, they're very competitive. Definitely. I used to do traffic lights, um, but I'd find that, I think across different areas of the school, people were using red and green for different things and the feedback from my second year class certainly was that they found it confusing. So now I just draw an arrow on the sides of my board just to emphasise the fact that, as I said, the bottom ones are easier, the ones at the top of the board are a bit harder and it's that kind of progression as we go along. So um, Colliver's spoken to us about the children having ownership of their learning and you spoke about children selecting learning intentions. Does anyone else do that where the children have multiple learning intentions? Kind of like what you were talking about Blooms and they select their own learning intention or have them create their own. That's not something I've actually done. I tend to share with them the learning intention. It's more from what they have learned that lesson. They've told me is how we tend to develop a success criteria. Um, that's kind of shared between us. Um, but that's not something that I do, is the pupils don't develop their own learning intention. That's something that's shared. I have to admit, particularly with the senior phase, I'm not as creative with the learning intentions and success criteria. I tend to structure the lessons around past paper questions. So, you know, for the next few periods or a couple of weeks, we'll be focusing on this area of the course. You know, that will be their learning intention. That's how they would structure their notes. Um, so for myself, that's something I would like to work on. So would you say that you're more, you have more creative learning intentions for the BGs? You mentioned earlier you're trying to change them for skills. Would you then do that for the senior phase and focus on like your command words? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the command words are naturally in there. If I'm issuing a, you know, a sort of past paper style of question um, for the learning intention, but it is something that I would like to tease out more in the future. But I think that that's natural when you are at certain points of the year and you're focused on the content for the senior phase. Um, I know myself, I can get quite bogged down and just getting through the exam yeah. information. So for going forward, I would definitely like to look at that. I, I, I'm totally guilty of that as well. Being because you have like, a bit more freedom with aye. BGE mm. and what you can do with them and lesson to lesson. Uh, you can be more creative. I agree, especially at this time of year when we've also got our assessment phases now and we're coming up to, to coming up to our final exams. I think a lot of our learning intentions for the yeah. senior phase will be will be the same. We're very focused mm. on that. I'd like to kind of move on a little bit. We've all mentioned success criteria within it. And uh, I'd like to explore a little bit further the idea of success criteria. How do you do that in your context for learning? And do any of you have children creating their own success criteria based on the learning intention? Say that again, to kind of kick us off the creating the own, I say learning conversations form the basis of where you get your, your success criteria from. I mean, I think that's because it becomes very difficult for me to display it up on the board if I've got four different pupils working on kind of four different things within volleyball under the same, under maybe two headlines of, of learning intentions, it becomes difficult to describe levels and how they're at and how they, so having that conversation with them about, right, where are you at, what, like, go and tell me what you can do, go give me an example of what is showing respect and tolerance within this game of volleyball, and then go, right, that's great, and we've got pupils to write them on boards, we've got pupils to record them, pupils to take notes on their phones, and just being clever about how we assess pupils knowing where, I mean, the fun about why you're doing a success criteria learning intention is so people know where they're at, yeah. what they're good at, and, and how they're, what they're going to do to improve and how that actually looks in the lesson. So having that conversation probably forms the basis of it. I think last year I was guilty of going, right, we're all doing this. In order to do this, we all need to follow these three things. And it became very pigeonholed for a pupil who, for example, decision-making, I can improve my decision-making in badminton, I can do this by hitting my shuttle to where my opponent is not. 
I've got pupils in there who would do that before they walk in the lesson. So they're arriving at my lesson, been able to do it, I'm leaving and I'm going, how's your decision making? Is it good? Good, you were doing exactly what you were doing before. And it's not, that's, that's not learning. Not because I'm not being yeah. specific to my individual pupil, I'm not, not caring for them. Um, so having that, that learning conversation. I think that instant feedback is so important, isn't it? In the dialogue and you can quickly assess where that individual pupil is and that's far more effective than saying, right, everybody's not what we're doing, we've got to the board, we'll change the success criteria. It's just far more tailored if you can speak to that pupil individually and, you know, if a pupil is struggling or needs that a little bit of extra help, you know, it's much more subtle rather than drawing the whole class's attention mm -hmm. to it. So, no, I think that's great. I do like your idea with the blooms role because it does naturally, without having to put a big label on it, as in you're working at that level yeah. and you're working at that level, it becomes a more subtle when you're describing something on gear, you can explain how that impacts performance. I think that's something I want to put a bit more time into is, you know, using blooms to differentiate with the success criteria. What at the end of the lesson I can do this and I can do that. Um, but working at, you know, one pupil's individual level, that's I like that. I like mm -hmm. that idea. <laughs> In terms of I can we we've looked at I can statements across so level we've got level Covering our broad general education, significant aspects of learning, we've got ICANN statements at level two, three, four. So that almost kind of does what you're doing with Blooms anyway, because mm. your level three and your level four statements, the, the stuff which I'm putting up as intentions for them to work on and come up with their, their success criteria for how they're going to reach that or work towards that target, is differentiated because your level two mm. targets are obviously much more of a basic thing where people can manage and then. In your level four, it's a more complex. I can. We've had a discussion in our faculty about I can statements, and then what if children can't access it? What if they can't? So rather than saying I can, we're trying to change it. And you mentioned earlier our shared language and what we're trying, what we're trying to do. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, we kind of like I've mentioned, we we're always using rarely. I mean, we we had a discussion at the faculty meeting um, in our most recent podcast about. Do we use rarely sometimes and always, or do we use most of the time sometimes? And and how it actually looks, you know. I think a vision of the whole school, and whether it's that language or different language, the whole school using the same language is something I think could be incredible, where people mm -hmm. are coming down from social and going, well, I, I sometimes am able to do that there, so that's I need to get to that level, I need to always be able to do that. Whereas when I'm in, in PE, I, I, I rarely show respect to tolerance, so I need to work on that. And the, they just understand it straight away. I've found it only using it for the last sort of three weeks. I'm able to say to pupils who really have not a huge engagement, mm -hmm. right, what's the three words that I'm assessing you today? And they're able to tell me back, right, rarely, sometimes, and always. And if that was just used across the board, it would be such a strong yeah, message. We're, so finding, we're finding that we're tending to use that as our stress for today in the, in the broad general. So we'll have our learning intentions or multiple learning intentions, and the children will be able to tell us if they can do it some of the time, most of the time, or all of the time. And it allows all children to say, well, I can... I can, uh, I can do that some of the time. And when you're having learner conversations, I've found that the children are benchmarking themselves and the children here are quite honest with, with a lot of things, especially mm -hmm. we've got a lot of people that would be level four for their physical competencies and what they can do, mm -hmm. but they'd be level two for their sure. personal qualities. And by using that criteria, it, it's definitely something that works. And I'd be quite happy to openly admit that that's, you know, do they need to work on that? I mean, Some of them, yeah. A lot of them are. Pupils are great with that, and they, if the conversation is done in the right manner, and you've got a relationship with the pupil, and it's not yeah. me saying pupil X, you are, you are bad at that. You are not good at that. That's that's where you'll get your switch off. Where if you're being open and honest with them, and you're picking real life examples, well, what you've just done in the game of volleyball there is you've kicked the ball, you've then shouted at someone else, "Ha ha, I win that game." You have that 
in terms of your statements on your board, have you always done that? Have you sometimes done that? And they'll, they'll be open and say, do you know what, I've, I've sometimes, because I shook hands at the end of the game, so I've shown respect there, but I have probably not won very graciously, so I've not shown respect there. And they'll have that, and we've got the um, significant aspect of learning boards up, so we can take them over and have people's going, right, high five the bits of the board where you think you're great at, and then high five the bit of the board you think you're, you're poor at. And I just did that last period. And people who very accurately sort of presented where he was based on that and it's just it's pupil friendly mm -hmm. yeah. that's, that's, that's the big part of it what year yeah. groups is it you've been trialling that with mainly third year a lot of third year lecture okay. stuff <coughs> put it into third year core in the last week and you know my third year core using that language and telling them how I'm assessing them and what they've been assessed and asking them use that language to assess each other that's pupil friendly they understand I've also used it for I was just using it for behaviour last period. So because we've got personal qualities in the blue section, <laughs> is rather than me going, um, right, you're doing that wrong, you're kicking the volleyballs, you're doing this, I don't want you doing that, I'm asking you to do that, that's my standards. I'm going, if I'm assessing you on respect, I've put a set of rules in place there at the start of a unit. And you're now not you're now not demonstrating that. What level is that? What do you do you always do something? Well tell you what, that's rarely at the moment because you're doing this, this and this. Do you agree? And they go, well, I'll tell you what, I, I was doing that. So they're having to reflect on their own. Right, so it can become a tool for that as well as learning and teaching, which I think is... And I think once, obviously, we have more sessions with the tapestry, because we are all mixed in across the school, there will be you know more time for those professional discussions with different colleagues, and it's definitely something that I think would be great to take forward in the future. I think you're mm -hmm. saying that about that... Um you know, sharing that the whatever it is that you're using, if it's the you know never really sometimes or most of the time, and if that's shared and everybody's using that, you know the pupils are seeing the connection. That would be like you say, it would be amazing. Right. I mean, if, if HMI are coming in and saying, right, we want your pupils and we're going to question your pupils and senior management going to question your pupils, we want you to question your pupils and what we really want is pupils understanding what level they're working at, mm -hmm. what their strengths are, what their areas for development are, how they progress towards our senior phase. Because then they the can link their strengths between you know, the different subjects yeah. that they're working. Because I don't think they do at the moment, I'm which right. is silly. Like Something I was teaching in geography for first year two weeks ago, um, Margaret Bly said to me, oh, they've been doing that in STEM, but the pupils couldn't draw. Yeah, draw the connections. But it's only when she said, and obviously I didn't know either, so again, it would open up more opportunities yeah. for that. So like every single subject we'll look at, I yep. can work um, collaboratively, yeah. cooperatively mm -hmm. with other mm -hmm. people. But it's how they see it in a different situation mm -hmm. and scenario in, like in your subject in PE, than what they do do in enterprise or what mm -hmm. they would do um, in geography. But it's the same skill. But I guess it's how, you know, we're communicating that to them. Mm -hmm. I think that's. I think that I think links onto your point at. with making your learning intention less context specific, mm -hmm. more broad, mm -hmm. so that pupils can make that link between. Mm -hmm. Right, we'll tell you what. I've already had this conversation today. Someone's a teacher. Mad people saying yeah. I've already had a conversation up in STEM where someone told me I, don't work <laughs> I already know I sometimes work cooperatively with people and they're using that. would be amazing. Uh -huh. It's a pipe dream, is that? No. Possible. Possible. <laughs> um, can I can I link him back to that shared language you mentioned earlier about the, the different levels of bloom? So see when children are evidencing their learning and the lesson, do they then do some create, do some dis describe, do some analyse the, the work they've done, how does, that, how does that work and how do they evidence that? Yeah, I mean, I think for my subject it just fits in so nicely, I've, I've, I know it well for others. Um, I would just, as I said, give something really broad, 
and the pupils can select, but it doesn't mean to say if they're at the remembering stage of the pyramid, they're always going to be there. Different tasks will naturally lend themselves to different stages, and it might be that if we are making something, so for example, my third year class have just finished creating their own shantytown models and labelling them, so obviously they're using higher up the pyramid. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just found that having a variety of tasks, a different sort of language, and again, they can see exactly what their level they're working at. My hope is that by doing it more in the BGE, it will help my senior phase classes, particularly with some of the command words, which I know are really similar across the mm -hmm. subjects. So see when your pupils are selecting what level they're working at through their success criteria, are they actually taking that down? Or are they verbally discussing it with you? Or Most of the time they're verbally discussing it with me. Um, I've had discussion with my uh, faculty colleagues a lot about you know trying to get away from this notion of just delivering content, content, content trying to strip it back a little bit more and focusing on the skills and, you know, just looking at the benchmarks and picking out a few key areas for the pupils to work in in more depth rather than just saying, right, we finished that today, we need to move on to something else tomorrow, where, whereas we could have explored it in a little bit more depth. Um, so that's where we're hoping to take things forward. And again, that's given pupils the choice to be involved in their learning and if they wanted to spend more time on a particular to topic, maybe even through enjoyment. Mm -hmm. if that's possible. Do you ever find with pupils that they want to get from point A to point B? So, like you were saying, with the bottom of the pyramid to the top, mm -hmm. if you do a task where, do you know what, last week I was working on second top, I was making something, and then you're going like this week, well, you probably, you, you as an individual, should be selected to be down there because that's where, that's your working level at the mm -hmm. moment. Do you find, how do they respond to that? Um, Usually okay. Um, I have tried it a little bit with my higher class, so I would kind of structure an exam style question around the blooms and say right, we're starting from the beginning we've not looked at this part of the topic yet and have really easy things for them to do um, and I find it quite useful because if they struggle to answer a particular past paper question and um, they can go back to that success criteria and have a look at well I need to remember this first I need to go back and I need to learn what these words actually mean and I need to explain them and they can sort of build it up to the last one which is obviously creating their own model answers. One quick question I wanted to ask you see when you've got the different um, obviously levels of blooms through your success criteria, there will be pupils that are working at a level that's suitable to them. But from having those different levels and the pupils that are aware of that, have you seen any pupil with like sheer determination that they want to try and have you? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I don't know if it's just the nature of the classes that I've trialed it with, but a lot of them are quite competitive. Um, but again, the ones that want to hide a little bit more or, you know, if they are working at the lower levels, nobody else in the class is aware of what level they're working mm. at apart from myself and that individual pupil. It was just to see if you've seen sort of personal development. Yeah, definitely um, looking up the different skills. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It also gives mm. pupils a clear kind of vision of progressing forward and where they want to be and they can set targets and the motivation is kind of different that will have with them rather than just giving them a task or giving mm -hmm. them an attention say that's what I want you to work on because I'm the teacher and I, mm -hmm. I think you should be doing that that's a well this is where I want you to go this is you tell me where you're at and you tell me where you want to go it gives you a lot more discussion for when you get to have those individual conversations with them to see Definitely. you know how they're moving forward mm -hmm. and I think I don't know about you guys but for BGE classes um learning conversations is something that's definitely a weakness of mine for my junior classes so if I do have that instant feedback like you were talking earlier Stuart 
I just find that it's much more um, beneficial rather than getting stressed out and thinking, right, I need to get individual pupils at my desk to speak to them. I've got their two pupils in the class. It, it, it's just not going to happen. It was something I actually made a point of doing at the start of the year and purely because it was my first year, it was a way of getting to know the pupils. And I think if you have if you have the time <laughs> to be able to have it, I think it really it really is beneficial. I've seen a difference. Um, just getting to have that little small bit of, small bit of time. We place such a large focus on uh, learner conversations with our senior face. I think we should probably place more of a focus on that ongoing process, and I'm hoping that progress. We spoke about it in our faculty. I mean, progress mm -hmm. would allow that because you yeah. can do it. You can do it. As, so you can do it as you go. So you don't need to talk to all thirty in a, in a period like you would with your senior class. You could do it over time and build over. If somebody does something excellent in your class, you can you can stop them. You can have it up on your computer, and you can just you can have them next to you, and you can type away, and you can have it while you're typing. So because it's got that facility for your what you what you're doing, what's the benchmark and what's your next step. So they've seen that. their own pathway, they've mm -hmm. seen you know how they're moving forward and what they're doing. It's much more natural, yeah. isn't it? And I think we need mm -hmm. to we need to acknowledge that and they need to be aware I, I, of I mean, how I, well they're doing. I think we should get we should get a system as a school of every time we're, we're these these are how we as a school ask questions. These mm -hmm. are how we as a school <coughs> speak to our young people. So every time, you know, I, I try and sometimes fall down based on time pressures or whatever's going on in the lesson but I'll try have my questioning to be in itself a mini learning conversation. So it's not necessarily like we're saying. It's not a come up to my desk and have a minute because that's where pupils clam up mm -hmm. and they have a oh I'm in a meeting I'm in an interview <laughs> you know we get it ourselves. <laughs> but if we're having every time I come around and I'm kind of informally asking a pupil a question or I'm pulling them out of a game or I'm I'm going mm -hmm. to their desk and speaking to them, I'm teasing information out of them. I'm asking them based it's on kind of like what we do with our we we team teach a third year elective class three times a week and we can have because there's two of us and there's. 20 odd of them, we can get round most of them in a lesson and we can find at the end of the lesson we can, we've spoke, spoken to about 11, 12 of them oh, sure, using questioning and yeah. we're able to tell where they are in their learning, what they, what they, what they need to, what we need to plan for next lesson and find that quite a good good tool of like being together. And I think that, that kind of emphasises the importance of team teaching because when I'm in, when I'm in with Dan and Dan's in with me, we're, you know, I'm saying to him, you were just speaking to that people there, what, what did you ask them, what were you questioning them, and we, we kind of learn off each other in mm -hmm. terms of that, and then we'll be back in the pace and we're sharing that, and if we can have that sort of, almost that culture that we've created within that lesson, and then out into our base, and, and that can be a whole school thing where everyone's having those conversations yeah. about how do we question young people, how do we how do we tease information out of them, if, that, if that's something that we can bring in on top of shared language, we'll be doing a much better Definitely, job. I mean, from like surveys, focus groups that you do with people's you know, the thing that comes out time and time again is that they want that feedback from the teacher and they would mm -hmm. like more of it at certain time. times of the year. And if we're just doing that continuously throughout the mm -hmm. year, particularly with our juniors, I just think that would be brilliant. And they want they want you to know them yeah. as an mm -hmm. individual. You know, that's what they're all about. They're after mm -hmm. attention, they're after everything. Okay, so I think uh, the discussion so far has been excellent. I, would, I really want to keep it going, but I'd like to finish with uh, kind of going back to our learning intentions and success criteria. We've really explored that in depth and had a really good discussion, but especially for me in my practice, I've, I've kind of played about with when I share that, especially in, a, in, in my context in PE. You know, I've, at times I've had the kids come in at the board, this is what we're learning today, and then off. Other times I've 
deliver I've had a start a task around they're active then I've shared it there's other times I've shared it towards the end of the lesson like today we were trying to learn this did you did you experience that can we benchmark ourselves against that what about in, in everyone else's classes in their context for learning when do you guys share it do you share it at the start at the middle at the end and how do you do that mine's um, I think mine's is down to habit mine's tends to be shared at the start of the lesson and I think it's so that mine my pupils were given an aim. They knew what they were working towards. But who's to say we can't mention it at the end as a concluding look at what we have done today rather than what we're going to do today? Either way, they're still aware of the progress that they've made. But mine's, mine's tends to always... My learning intention's always shared at the start, but success criteria, um, that varies. That's one that varies. That can be maybe when we've you know, decided with the pupils, what that has been and what they have learned, that can be pulled out and kind of teased out at the end. So you can either share that at the start and say that's what you're aiming for, or you can share that at the end and say where did you get yeah. to? But my sort of broad, talking back at the start, uh, the kind of broad learning intention, that's what is done right at the start and normally that tends to be verbally what I can say to them, what are we working on today? Or we're, you know, we're still learning about budgeting and they're able to even tell me that, but they know that's sort of the drill at the start. I'm all up for changing it up a little. I agree. <laughs> I, I tend to do mine at the start as well, but it probably is just because I've always done it that it's way. Habit. But, you know, from going to the tapestry sessions and, you know, we're sort of talking about, well, why do we do that? What impact is that having? And I think for me, that's something definitely to explore. It actually probably could have a more impact at the end, as you say, with that self-reflection rather than just being quite prescriptive at the start. This is what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. People are switched off, so it would be good to vary things a little bit, I think. I, I uh, absolutely I'm in the same boat guilty of, of this is what we're doing today I think everyone if everything you could ask every teacher across the school they'd be doing that but uh, I'm, I'm trying to and I want to be more creative with like you're saying the way that's delivered so whether that's pupils coming and writing something down a whiteboard whether that's as questioning individuals as they come in whether it's getting three people who are first I mean with us first at the change room slightly different with you to deliver something at the start, based on I've just had a wee chat with them, getting them to set something up, going into a game and then stopping and quickly saying something in 10 seconds, just going something board, just playing around with it. So, and the, the only time I've really ever done that is if I've had a challenge in class behaviour wise where they struggle to come in, sit, and we've kind of got the flexibility being a practical subject. Where and we that's when you try the different strategies. And they tend to pupils respond to them and they like them because humans like something different they like that they we've got we've got the we've got the luxury as well we can have them come in run around for 10 minutes yeah. then then sit them down when they're red faced and Absolutely. all that and that who's to say we can't remember a question i know that's that's for us to work on we'll totally the wheel <laughs> just get them running around selling each other ideas um, so i'd like to finish there because that's been a good good chunk of time i'd like to thank you all for participating in this first ever podcast and um, oh, thank you for listening.